Back here on the Northland Sports Page, a little past the P's. We're about to pass the mic to PA here shortly. It's Brian Prudhomme, John Carlson. We are thankful for our sponsors each and every week, including a Roll Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings of Duluth, Krause Eating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, The Blackwoods Group, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pure B Resorts, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, and our friends at Comfort Systems. Speaking of friends, I'm incredibly blessed to call myself friends with PA. And John Carlson, I know when I told you on Monday this week that he'd be joining us, you were beyond excited. I was very, very excited. I love listening to uh, PA's uh, play-by-play, and I love when he's on the show. I do, too. So without further ado, let's get right to it. PA, good morning, sir. And the five and four operations have been a lot of fun here recently. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for the nice words, too. The um, You know, in the, in the 27... Kevin O'Connell has led the Minnesota Vikings. We we have had three legitimate Vikings and NFL immortality type games. I mean, the, the comeback against Indianapolis, the Buffalo bit, and then the Dobbs game. I mean, th- those are three games people will remember forever, so that's pretty cool. Absolutely it is. I actually was going to ask you, how would you rank the Atlanta game? Because I would put it in front of those two because I feel like the ones you mentioned previously – we felt we had the horses to get something done. I'm not sure, and you're more positive than perhaps any of us, I'm not sure anybody felt with Josh Dobbs on four days that we had a real shot, but we did it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect either when he, when he came in. I, I wasn't even properly prepared for him, to be honest with you. I mean, I can't remember the last time that, that you know, between, you know, like, uh, man, the Vikings lead, whatever, on the KFA and Minnesota Vikings radio network driven by Polaris. So, like, when we go to break, <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was on Wikipedia uh, during a game as much as I was just to like, (laughs) I I had, I had nuggets written down for him, but I felt like I needed more. And, you know, but, but of those three that I mentioned the, the, I mean, what Dobbs did and, and, you know, what the team did specifically the defense when, when it needed to do certain things, it, it was an immortality like game, but, but let's not forget the, the comeback against Buffalo was the greatest comeback in the history of the national football league. So whenever you're making history while doing something um, at to that level, yeah, that, that Indianapolis game, 33 zip at halftime, come on, I'll, I'll never forget that. No question about it. So the talk has been Josh Dobbs, but overall, well, Josh Dobbs will be the talk for last week. Overall, for me, the talk should be the growth of this defense, the learning curve of this defense, and the aggressiveness of this defense. All of a sudden, when we don't have the football, this team is fun to watch. A couple years straight, we didn't say that. Well, it's, uh, it's been the common thread, you know, during the winning streak, specifically not having Jefferson. Right. And, and there, there are a couple of examples where, like, you know, Jaron Hall comes in at Lambeau and Preston Smith for the Packers causes a strip sack. So now Green Bay, you know, has an outside chance to win the game, but a great chance to get back into it. Uh, they, you know, they're at the 15, they go backwards, and it's a turnover on downs on, on fourth down. And then in the Atlanta game, there was a fumble, and Lorenzo Carter runs all the way down to the one. Uh, tied in Josh Oliver, hustling every step of the way, knocked him out at the one, or it would have been a touchdown. But then the defense pushed them back, and they had to settle for a young way coup field goal. So the, and Daniil's work against the run and his physicality and his three tackles for loss with the, uh, excuse me, 12 tackles for loss, three forced fumbles with the league-leading 10 sacks. I mean, Daniil is defensive player of the year material into the second half of the season. So that's been the common thread. But 
but the, the possibilities of what we just saw with Dobbs, specifically when Jefferson returns with Addison and, and Hawkinson, if he can stay poised and if he can throw the ball and continue to run with that gift that's been given to him, you know, there, there, there could be some really, really good things that happen here, man. I ain't kidding you. Yep. I agree with you. Uh, PA, when I was listening to the game last week, I think uh, it was like first and goal for the Atlanta. And all of a sudden I had to run into a store to pick up something. And I came back out and I was like, I'm, I'm sure that they scored. And all of a sudden it was like, there was no change in the score. What happened? The defense came through. Well, the, then the defense later in the game, you know, because it was a tightly contested game. And, you know, when you're, you're wheeling through quarterbacks the way you are and Josh fumbles, I mean, you know, that that's going to have to be something that if you are going to take this pass, this passing quarterback who can run same fishbowl as Jalen hurts, different rocks, not as good, but same fishbowl and not the same fishbowl as cousins. Uh, if you're going to, if, if you're going to throw the ball with this guy and, and run the way he did, then your defense continuing to improve in situations is imperative. And, and the situation you referenced led to a field goal. But in the second half, Flores started sending guys, specifically Josh Metellus, to certain spots on the field. So in other words, Heineke's under center. He goes play action. And Metellus runs to a spot to his front side. And Heineke turned around, he saw Metellus, and he just threw it up for grabs, and Byron Murphy nearly had an interception. So it's things like that that are popping up at key times of the games that are just they're, they're, they're just fascinating. It is. It has been a lot of fun watching this team get things together during this win streak. I'm glad you mentioned Metellus because I was going to segue off Dobbs and say, P.A., I want to talk from one Josh to another now because – one of the things, and there's 3,000 things I love about your show, 9 to Noon, I'll make a list for you someday if you'd like, but what you do so well is we all see the stats and the plays that make somebody a likable player. You tell us what makes them a likable person. Josh yeah. Metellus has become that likable person for me, and the play is starting to become very, very elevated as well. He's become one of the best defenders this team has. Uh, I like how you laid that out, brother, uh, because it, you know the, the, the story, like when I talk about Josh, goes back to being on the sideline for the final game of the season last year against Chicago. Now, Cousins and, and the ones are going to play the first half, and uh, then they're going to go into the playoffs. Well, M- Metellus was made a captain for that game. And for Josh, you know, undra- or excuse me, was drafted, but, you know, working his way up and never really getting a chance, you know, for him to become a captain was really moving to him. And, and when we prayed before the game, and, and then when we talked a little bit, you know, I could just tell that, that he was like a child who felt like he had been elevated in the kickball game and actually had a chance to contribute right. and that he's a leader wearing this seat. So there's nothing there's there's nothing but, but good message and good message is off that. Now, it, it, if you're if you're just listening in, in your everyday life and with your jobs and your lives and all of us, I'm talking to me too, you know, it the Josh Metellus situation shows that if you think you're in a situation where it's not necessarily conducive to what you want, well, you, if you continue to work hard and you continue to be an upstanding citizen, it, it, it shows that you have a chance to ascend. And Metellus is a wonderful example for that. Yep. Yeah, it definitely has been a great story. We are chatting with PA, the radio voice of the Vikings, on the eve of Viking Saints on this very station from the Purple Palace at noon tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about these Saints because 
They're a good football team with the exact same record that the Vikings have. Derek Carr to me is a little Kirk Cousins-esque in the sense that he was underappreciated in the market that he just left. Alave is good. Cam Jordan is good. They've got some weapons. Dennis Allen seems to not be on a hot seat, but sometimes get in his own way. What do you expect from the opponent tomorrow? Yeah, you know, Carr and Cousins, uh, they are similar. And uh, like Derek moves a little better than Kirk, but Kirk throws a lot better than Derek. Um, so, yeah, I can see that comparison. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think the Saints are as good as their record shows. Um, and uh, they, they defensively, they have names like Cam Jordan and Demario Davis and Demarshawn Lattimore. And those guys all can be very good in situations. But um, in watching back their game against the Bears last night and watching some clips from some earlier games, um, they, they, I don't know, man. I just they, I don't think the teams in the NFC South are very good. I think it's just, that's about the only way to put it. The Vikings should have beaten Tampa Bay. And New Orleans is probably the best of the bunch. And Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara with Chris Olave. Yeah, those, those three right there can ruin any single game right. if you give them reason to ruin a game. Uh, but um, they have offensive line problems right now that are that are kind of fascinating to me. They they have a guard named Andrus Pete. Now, when the Vikings beat the Saints in the playoffs in 2019, Mike Zimmer uh, secretly and cleverly took Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin and moved them inside and made them defensive tackles for the first time in their careers. And it wrecked the game long enough for Breeze that the Vikings could win a road playoff game. Well, Andrus Pete was one of the guards that Zimmer wanted to attack. The other was Larry Warford. And quite honestly, I think Zimmer felt that that was the weakness of the entire New Orleans Saints team. Well, Andrus Pete, a couple of games ago, was moved out to left tackle because their first-round pick from last year, Trevor Penning, the left tackle, got benched. Uh, so so they're, they're moving guys around on their offensive line recently, and that's really what you don't want to do at this time of the season. Uh, they have their bye next week, and I think they're kind of they're kind of gasping for the bye. Uh, so even you know Dobbs and everything that's new and stuff like that, man. I just uh, I I just really feel a victory tomorrow. I certainly hope you're correct. Speaking of Dobbs and everything that's new, I'm glad you said it that way because this team tomorrow finally gets back home. And the reality of it is, they only had back to back road games. That's certainly not unheard of. But with all the peaks and valleys of this season that has gone on recently, it feels like they haven't played a home game in about two months. Yeah. Aren't you at least a little bit fascinated by the round of applause that Josh Dobbs just might get based on what he did a week ago? A couple of things about tomorrow. Uh, you nailed it. Uh, it's going to be at, at times early in the game. It, it, it will get close to playoff loud because the last time the fans saw the team, they beat San Francisco on Monday night football and everybody stood up every second of the game. Then they go to Lambeau and they beat the rival, so people like that. And then everybody saw the immortality with the Dobbs game. So it's going to be, and plus a lot of people loathe the Saints. So it's going to be fever pitch early in that game tomorrow. It's very key you said that. The second part of it involving Dobbs is this is tomorrow is the greatest professional moment he's ever had in his life. Now you can say last week was, and as of now it is. But that was an adrenaline rush on four days of being here. No doubt. And it just was a level that's very difficult to get to two times in a row. So that was more, that was more of a fantasy situation. Tomorrow is a business venture for Josh Dobbs. Now, now that means he's had the entire week of practice. And, and of the practice I saw, man, they got some cool stuff in tomorrow. But I thought he looked really, really good. good. Secondly, for the first time in his life, 
you know, Friday at like two o'clock after practice as I was leaving. Well, he's sitting down in the lobby to do a big thing with Fox. And we got big podcasts and we have NFL Network and we have Adam Schefter and right. Jake Laser. He's a media darling all of a sudden, right? Well, they're all on him. So, and I'm certainly not saying that prosperity is harder to hang, handle than despair, uh, but prosperity is different to handle than anything he's known in his career. So this, I mean, this is unbelievable tomorrow. The opportunity this young man has where if they beat the saints and then they get Russell Wilson in Denver winnable, then they get whatever quarterback with the bears at home winnable by out of that Vegas is a disaster firing coaches every day. So that's very, yeah. that's eight in a row. Uh, tomorrow's the best quarterback you're going to have really until you get up to Jared Goff and Joe Burrow. That's absolutely correct. John, I think that plays into my opening statement today when we talked about the Vikings at the open of the show. How in the world did we get here? But here we are. Go absolutely. ahead. Absolutely. And and I was sitting there thinking that, you know, one of the things I hope for tomorrow, we don't have that the sophomore season jinx where all of a sudden the second game you come in. I, I agree with you, PA, that it's going to be fever pitch down there. And once he gets announced uh, after he makes a great play, the fans are just going to go bizarre. John, you, you coach hockey, right? I know I, I don't coach hockey anymore. Many, many years ago I do, but I do uh, the color commentary with uh, Brian. Okay, well, I mean, you guys are around sports enough to know that yep. if something unique happens in a game and something goes out of body, like in hockey, basketball, football, or whatever, somebody gets under somebody's skin and they just go out of body and they're unstoppable while being disciplined. You know, or somebody doesn't play much and then they get an opportunity to play and God just has it all clicked for them. Yep. The, the next game to expect that quite frequently is foolhardy. Yep. So with, with Josh, you know, I, I don't want to rule out that what happened last week was, was just happenstance, that it was just like a fluke. You know, it, it's because when, when you have the strength to break tackles the way he did, and in watching the game back, seeing all the guys who were open that he missed, including T.J. Hawkinson on a touchdown center of the end zone, on the play, Dobbs ran for an 18-yard touchdown. It, it's to see everybody that got open. I mean, Addison, Hawkinson, and Jefferson can get open in single coverage against anybody. If this works and you can design runs with a super clever offensive coaching staff that has a bunch of Super Bowl winning equity, if you can get this run to work with him and keep him 60% accurate – they're not going to be able to double everybody or he'll run for a hundred every game. Yep. So, but, but the thing is he has to be able to hit on 60% of his passes. If, you know, if there were seven key, key plays missed in the Atlanta game, let's cut it down to two or three because he will run where cousins won't. And that's part of it. And let, let's not drop the ball as much. I mean, if they can get those things to mess with Jefferson coming back, I'm, you know, you could, people can paint me purple, the uh, Barney, the purple dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just common. Nobody pays attention guy. to that. I'm telling you, I know what I saw last week. Yep. And I've seen a lot, and I've never seen that. And if they can get this passing and running to mesh when Jefferson comes back, they're going to be really tough to stop. PA, you may have just answered the question I was going to ask you, because no matter who the quarterback is, how experienced, how good he is, everybody benefits from a run game. And Alexander Madison has been inconsistent at best. And Ty Chandler has to step up with Cam Akers done. But maybe you answered the question. Is Josh Dobbs just going to continue to be his own running game? 
Dobbs is the running game. I mean, it now we need to change our face. Copyright Ricky Rubio, like fifteen years ago. That's right. Is Dobbs is the center point of the running game. Now, when Dobbs started to run for some chunk yardage in the second half, if you look at Madison's runs, the ones and the twos started to become three, fours, and fives. Right. Because they the safeties and the linebackers now have to respect the edge, the outside of the hash marks for the quarterback where they didn't have to before. So therefore that opens things in the middle. So it's it's it, it, the the dots of first down divinity gets you from start here to B to C to D and if he can be relatively accurate and not drop the ball, we know he can run. If he can be relatively accurate and not drop the ball when the pressure's all around him, uh they they will make plays. Absolutely. Time will tell. You mentioned Jefferson coming back. My guess, and I can't emphasize guess enough, is that Monday night hosting Chicago. Don't you think, or do you think it's earlier? Um, it, it could be later. I mean, it, it's it's like I don't think it'll be tomorrow. I can't so imagine now, it being in the know, altitude in Denver. That's my thought there. Well, forget the altitude. I, I don't want to bring the bad hamstring to 35-degree weather. Fair. You know, when it's all, like, hard to warm up and everything. Um and uh, my daughter goes to school back there, so I, obviously I'm talking to her frequently. And I mean, it's super cold back there right now. Um, and uh, then after that, you got that that Monday night game. Well, let's see if they win the next two, because they've already shown they can beat Chicago without Justin, and they're at home. Question. So you know, if you if you if you've rattled off six in a row, and you know you think keeping him out one more with the bye, and then into the Vegas game, well, then the whole thing's completely healthy. You know, but but that's circumstantial, so we'll see what happens. PA, this is too good. We could go forever with you. I'm bumping out with history repeating. We're hoping for it tomorrow. Have a great call. Thanks for joining us as always. Thanks, PA. God bless. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks to your listeners every time they listen uh, when I'm on. And um, I think we're going to win tomorrow, so let's have fun. Absolutely. Love you, buddy. Have a great rest of your weekend. Bye. That is PA, the radio voice of the Vikings. We're buying what he's selling. We play buy or sell next on the Northland Sports page. Stick around. We'll be right back. We aren't anywhere near ready to say goodbye just yet. we got a couple segments to go. We are instead ready to play buy or sell, one of our favorite segments here on the Northland Sports page. The Northland Sports page each and every week is brought to you by these fine sponsors. Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings of Duluth, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, Advantage Edelman Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, The Blackwoods Group, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, and our friends at Comfort Systems. Speaking of friends, I've got a friend in the studio with me, John Carlson, filling in for Dave Cook today. Thank you very much for doing that, and thank you again for your service, and a happy Veterans Day to all. Well, thank you, and I I echo those comments. Thanks to all the veterans out there that are listening to the show today, because it's just like without them, we don't have the freedoms we have. I was going to say, we're lost often without our sponsors, but even they pale in comparison to what the veterans have made in terms of sacrifice. Some, of course, making the ultimate, but a lot of folks that have come back you know, I have difficult memories of service, but also look at it fondly. You've shared some of that with me, too. Well, yeah, and it, it, I was blessed to be able to uh, serve in Naples, Italy at a Naval Air Force Base. So I got to enjoy the culture over there, but at the same time serve our country. Our mission uh, was to fly the mail to the aircraft carriers, and then they would disperse it from there. So it was an enjoyable uh, two years of service that I had, and, and uh, I really uh, was thankful for the, uh, that opportunity. Absolutely. We're thankful that you did that. Thankful you're able to be here with me today. Time to play by yourself. And I know you've talked to me on our game broadcast that 
This is one of your favorite segments of the show as well. Absolutely, but you wouldn't give me the ideas of what the questions were coming Exactly. Up. If you're going to truly fill in for Dave, okay. I don't tell Dave these in advance either. Well, that's not fair. So that's fun with surprises, okay. although you can decide if it's fun after we're done here. <laughs> During the commercial break, you might be like, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> so how it works, I know you know the concept of the game, yep. is I will give a statement for each of the four major leagues. we got the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, and Major League Baseball. I give a statement. If you agree with it, you say buy, and you tell me why. If you disagree with it, you say sell, and you tell me why. So your job is to do that. And, of course, you get to determine the order in which we play. So what's going to kick it off today? Uh, The hardest one, NBA. All right. The hardest one might be the NBA because it was the hardest one for me to come up with, too. So the Minnesota Timberwolves don't blink because we're not used to this. They are playing very, very, very well. They are indeed 6-2. and Now, back-to-back games against Golden State coming up can certainly change that. They win one or, lo and behold, two of those, you've got my attention. But what has my attention right now is the way that they're playing well defensively. Because the old adage, and I won't even call it an old adage, the adage in the NBA is, well, they don't play defense. Right. The Timberwolves are. Buy or sell that you believe that defense is making a comeback in the NBA. Well, I, I think you're right. But first I want to comment about the Timberwolves. They beat this team in the East Coast. Uh, they Boston or something like that? The Boston Celtics, yes. The Boston Celtics. Are you doing that to me on purpose? Absolutely, yeah. Now, people need to remember that Boston is my 1A. The Wolves are my 1. I was not upset that night. Well, okay. But, uh, you know, I agree that defense, it plays a big key. I I think the uh, Timberwolves are averaging like 112 points per game right now, which doesn't mean that you mean that is is defense taking over. But I think they, on, on the other hand, are doing a good job of playing defense. I think that's perfectly said because overall my statement that defense is making a comeback in the NBA, I'm going to sell that. I'll buy that the Timberwolves are playing it, and that's why they're winning because nobody else does. I mean, you look at the first half last night against the Spurs and whatever this in-season tournament is, the Timberwolves did not play well in the first half really at all, but they stayed in it via the scoreboard and, in fact, went to the locker room with a lead because of their ability to defend. Now, they might be in trouble if it does overall make a comeback. But right now, there's only a handful of teams playing it, and they are. And I think that's why their record is good. Well, and I haven't done any looking at the statistics for the overall league. So I guess from that standpoint, I will probably sell it with you. Uh, um, until I see, you know, I'm a statistics kind of guy. Right. So unless I see the, the statistics, I'm going to sell it. I was going to say, until you see that the losing team is scoring 80 to 90 points a night, right. you're not going to buy into defense. People will still say that they play defense in the NBA, but not until there's two minutes left. All right, so one down, three to go. The hard one's out of the way. What are you doing next? Uh, The Wild. All right, the NHL. It is somewhat about the Wild, but not entirely. You and I were talking off air about Lou Nanny, and I told you he's going to come up in this show. Please stand by. Well, the moment is here. (laughs) So buy or sell this, because Lou Nanny, this part I'll buy. This part I'm not necessarily putting up for debate. Lou Nanny is revered but also one of the most polarizing figures in Minnesota because there's a thing called the state high school hockey tournament. I believe you're familiar. I believe we've been together. Now that's the time of year where Lou Nanny in the minds of many of us alienates everybody North of say forest Lake and people in the North get tired of hearing from Lou Nanny during the state tournament. And I would be one of those people. However, lately Lou Nanny has been with the wild on this road trip doing color commentary, just like you do. But he does it for a good play-by-play announcer instead of me. He does it for <laughs> Anthony LaPanta. Buy or sell that you enjoy hearing Lou Nanny talk about hockey as long as it's not the state hockey tournament. Uh, sell. Okay. I, I've met Lou Nanny a couple times. Uh, I just, 
I hate to say this, but there comes a point in time where you need to retire. And uh, I like Anthony LaPanta, the way he calls the game, but I think there are other color commentators out there that could add to it. Yeah, he's got a lot of history. I love it. I think probably part of it has to do with the state tournament, uh, that he's been such right. a downer. Can't for take the, that out of your mind. I uh, can't take it out of my mind. For all those years that he has been a downer for Duluth East Hockey and anything, any teams from the north, that's kind of maybe clouded my judgment. I think you're pretty much correct there. However, I'm still going to buy only because I have been able to put it out of my mind. It's one of those things where you've heard the old adage of what a difference a change in uniform makes. You can take a guy like, take Brett Favre, for example. None of us liked him when he was with the Green Bay Packers. We tolerated him with the New York Jets because we didn't care. He all of a sudden put purple on, and man, we love this guy just like <laughs> everybody else did. Well, when Lou Nanny does wild games, he and I are backing the same team. Now, judge me accordingly because yep. that's a very convenient trait. But he does know the sport. Absolutely. So when he's not giving backhanded compliments at best to the team that I like, although with the Wilds' current play, that's basically what you're stuck doing, he is a bit of an encyclopedia of the game. Now you're right. Maybe his best days have passed him by, but I'm going to buy certainly that I'd rather hear him on wild games in the state tournament. Well, I'll, I'll buy that. Right. I'll buy I that changed little, the rules. I cheated. Yeah, I'll buy that little snippet. Yes. Uh, but when he's doing, I like the hockey professor when you do high school hockey yeah. games. And I, I don't think he was there last year. Right. But I really have enjoyed him over Lunani. All right, so two down, two to go. You've got the NFL and Major League Baseball uh, left. Be, being that PA was here, we'll go NFL. All right, this is perfect because the Vikings are somehow 5-4 and four in what looked like a lost season. We're now talking about the potential to get to eight in a row. So buy or sell this. Based on what you've seen right now from the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connell should be a top-five candidate for Coach of the Year. I buy that. Uh, there are certain things that he has done. Uh, when PA mentioned about Josh, I can't remember his last name. Metellus. Metellus. Yeah. The thing that he did to elevate him to a captaincy that talks about, for me, that he does such a great job as far as the team goes. It's all about a team. You know, Josh Dobbs, he did some nice things with him. But at the same time, you got to have that team. You got to have Kevin O'Connell. I've watched some of the uh, after post game uh, types of conferences. Right where he's cheering on the team, throwing out the footballs. I like the way he does things. And to be able to, uh, the way they started this year with the 0-3 in the preseason, and then the way they started the season, I like what he has done to try to turn the team around. Of course, you know, we'll have to see what happens in the next couple of games, but I like what he has done with the team so far. I would agree with that. I'm going to buy only because I'm not sure I can name five coaches I put ahead of him. When I put that top five caveat in there, I think Kevin O'Connell does slide in. But to me, it's a microcosm of what a roller coaster this season has been. Yep. Because when this team was one and four, it certainly wasn't all Kirk's fault. It wasn't all KOC's fault. It wasn't all the defense's fault. It was a collective. But there were moments where the clock management was bad. The recognition of down and distance and play calling was questionable. And, and you can attribute that to an offensive coordinator. But ultimately, the final decision comes down to the head coach. Right. And there were times where I wondered if KOC was really sure of himself and was really asserting his personality into this team. Well, four wins in a row later, it sure seems like it. It might be the timing of the question. Right. Because if I ask this, let's say they get housed tomorrow by the Saints, and you ask it again, Maybe. the reaction might be different. Welcome to the NFL, instant gratification. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the way our society has gone. It's instant gratification as much as possible. So we'll just have to see what happens tomorrow. No question, no question. Speaking of what happens tomorrow, tomorrow as in next season, is going to be interesting for the Twins Major League Baseball is our last one for buy or sell today. So the big news 
And my goodness, the twins negatives on Twitter or X or whatever social media outlet you want to call it or you like to use. Twins fans, heavy on the air quotes, went bonkers at the news that this team is going to cut payroll. But the root of the cause is the TV mystery with the Bally Sports conundrum. And that's being kind to call it a conundrum. So given that, but also given the news this week, that they picked up their options on Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco. Buy or sell that they both actually make the opening day roster as twins. I buy that they won't make the... Let so you sell re- that they're going to be there. I you buy that they won't make it. I, I buy that they will not... Both of them will not be there next year. Okay. Do you think they're so you think they're both going to be gone, or do you think one or the other I, goes? I think one or the other is going to be gone. Which one it, would you say? Uh, I'm going to say that Kepler is going to be gone. Okay. I mean, he started out really slow this past season. Yeah, he came on at the end. But to take a look at what his his overall value, both offensively and defensively, I will go with Polanco on that. I like everything about what you just said. So just to be contrarian, I'm going to buy that they both stick around. Just because I think that might have been the foreshadowing of this team saying, we're basically going to stand pat because we have to. Now, there are times where I don't buy into what I just said, and that might be one of them, because I agree with you that Kepler had an otherworld half season, but a tremendously disappointing other half of the season. The other bit with Polanco is this team struck out like a hobby. And to me, Polanco takes the most professional at bats, maybe Donovan Solano as well, but he's probably the best professional hitter they have. But Julian was kind of a splashy story. Now he's a hatchet job defensively, but he's going to stay somewhere. If they decide that second base is where he's going to stay, where does Jorge Polanco go? Yep, absolutely. And one of the things when you mentioned about the Twins cutting salary, I worry about Sonny Gray. I think he's gone, Yeah. but I think depending upon the price tag, maybe he should be. Let's not forget that there was a time in June, early July, where he was good, but they weren't winning when he pitched. Now, it wasn't his fault, but he was under duress a lot too, and there was thought of maybe this team isn't going anywhere. Now, they ended up going places, but there were rumblings of should Sonny Gray even stay beyond the trade deadline. If you're giving an astronomical number to him, he's not a dominant number one pitcher. I just don't think he is. Yeah, and it'll be interesting what you know how much they're going to cut the actual salaries of the team, and it's just like, I I unfortunately don't agree with that. I mean, if you want to, I don't like I don't like the, what the, the Yankees have done over the years as far as waving a bunch of dollars to get a bunch of teams. But look what happened this year: the Yankees didn't perform that well, and they had that high one of the highest payrolls. Right, and TV revenue is what it is. I mean, you don't have a television provider right now. How do you not expect that to impact your payroll? Now, you can go with your cheap poll ads narrative and be somewhat right, but if you want to die on that sword because of the news of this week, we were prepared for this months ago. Bally's been, let's just say it, a bleep show at best for a while. Yep, and it'll be unfortunate because you and I both watch the Twins games all the time. I was going to say, you think I'm a radio listener now? If the Twins aren't on TV regularly, I might have a radio glued to me. Yeah, you'll have that, and you won't have Dick Bramer there. That's going to be weird, too. The only thing I hoped with that is I've done play-by-play for baseball, too. If they need an applicant, I'm listening. I will buy that in a heartbeat. That is buy or sell for this week. We are buying what anybody's selling when it comes to our sponsors. Once again, a Roll Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holdings, Kraus Heating and Cooling, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, The Blackwoods Group, Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resorts, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, and our friends at Comfort Systems. We encourage you to buy whatever it is they're selling because they make it possible for us to be with you on the Northland Sports page. One segment to go. 
Vincey Glenn talks about Viking Saints when we come back. Stick around. I don't know if either one of us are young anymore. It's Brian Prudhomme, and John Carlson. Final segment of the Northland Sports page. Been a fun one. John, I appreciate you being in for Dave once again. Dave and Vincey, they got a good friendship, but Dave keeps missing them. Yep. But his loss is your game today. Well, I'm looking forward to this segment here. Absolutely. So without further ado, we go right to former Viking safety, Vincey Glenn. Vincey, good morning, my friend. Good morning. How you guys doing? Always doing well. Always doing well coming off a win. Now, I just talked to PA, Paul Allen, radio voice of the Vikings at the top of the hour. Uh, we talked about how unimaginable, unthinkable, use whatever adjective you want, last week's victory was. What did you think of it? Because we knew Ad Atlanta would be tough. We were talking about Jaron Hall a week ago. That lasted two series. A guy that played five days got him a win. Your thoughts? Anytime you can go on the road in the NFL and come out with a win, no matter what the circumstances are, it's a it's a great day. And um, I thought under the adverse situations, I thought um, Dobbs came in and really played tough. I won't say well, but tough enough to get the job done in a hostile environment. So uh, that's always a plus. All right. So as a former player, my next question to you would be, how many times have you had this preached to you, and how do you avoid a letdown? Because we know the fans have already anointed Josh Dobbs the new Messiah based on a week ago. Well, new set of expectations, new opponent. you got to go out and do it again. And and you said he played tough, not well. He's got to play well to get a win tomorrow. Well, there's a reason he got traded. If you're playing right. great, you're not going to be traded. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just total football, you know, and you got to look at the team they beat. They're without a starting quarterback. They're having quarterback issues down in Atlanta as well. But you got to set yourself on the heights, the top. Are you good enough to beat a Philly? Are you good enough to beat a San Francisco on the road in, in December, January when you're in playoff? And that's how you measure your team. You don't. It's good to win, but if you're not on top of your division and you're not just rolling, then you have to say, how do we beat these teams when we got to play them? Not only the teams in front of us along the way, but when we get to that ultimate point, and I think they still got some questions to be answered. I would agree with that. I think when you look at, can you beat a Philly on the road? They already didn't. Can you beat a San Francisco? They did it at home with the noise of Monday night. They got it done, whatever it took. But this team is starting to lean on its defense by circumstance, of course, but also by level of play, the way the defense has played. Now you talked about last week. When you lean on your defense week in and week out, eventually come crunch time, they're exhausted. So I want you to talk a little bit more about that, but also talk about when you watch this defense, are you impressed by the way they fly around right now? Oh, I, I love defense. And when you're making the turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, uh, creating a lot of havoc on the quarterback, that's always a good thing. But at the same time, you know, you like to get off the field and not depend on your defense like that. Offensively, you like to ball control, especially if you don't have your leader out there. And, uh, now you got new guys coming in, especially at quarterback, and it's not always going to be this rosy as it was on the road in, in that kind of debut because Atlanta doesn't have film on uh, on Dobbs other than what you see on TV. So playing against that guy is, is a little different, and they'll find a way to defensive. But I think the Vikings have done a great job this year by adapting to that uh, Florida defense. Let's, let's go get them, and uh, it's, it's paid dividends. Absolutely. The aggressiveness reminds me of 
the way a certain safety played in the early 90s for the Vikings as we chat with Vincey Glenn. John, you want your opportunity to chat with him too. Well, I was just going to ask a question about, uh, I'm a guy that uh, lives in the trenches, so what are your comments about the, the way the defensive front four have been playing? Man, I've always looked at the defense as a collective group. I'm okay. not in the individual stats. If you're getting off the field on third downs and you're creating havoc, and, you know, a lot of play goes to the way the secondary plays yep. as well as you getting sacked and creating havoc up front and being a little more style in the run game because, you know, you got a secondary that you can depend on. And I just think the back end, especially in the safety position, I think those are the two best positions that are being played on defense right now for the Vikings. Vincey, I want to talk to you about something that I didn't plan on, and I guess we could argue that I don't plan a lot of my questions anyway. I'm not a scripted guy. John knows that more than anybody, yep. and he laughs at me for that reason. But when the Vikings played the Chargers this year, we talked about two of your former teams squaring off. I think most people know you as a Viking or a Charger, but tomorrow we can say the same, can't we? The Vikings and Saints. New Orleans has been always kind of a fun football market. What was your experience when you played there? Uh, it was the year before I came to Minnesota, and we won the division, 11-5. and five. Uh, I led the team in interceptions, and the next year I came to Minnesota. But we beat Minnesota down in uh, <laughs> in uh, in the Dome that year, and the very next year I became a free agent and came to Minnesota. So I think my two interceptions that game against the Vikings probably helped me get to, <laughs> get to Minnesota. <laughs> I was going to say, year. the adage is but, if you but, can't but, beat them, join them, but the make them join you. Yeah, the Dome is fun playing against the Saints. And that's just a different kind of awkward team that you have to play against because they got two different style quarterbacks. Tyson, Tyson, Hill, Tyson Hill can do anything he wants on the football field. So it's, it's, tri- it's a tricky team to play against. And they play defensively, they play hard. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because Taysom Hill, yes, does create a different dimension as a quarterback. But that's not where they exclusively play him. He's technically a tight end. He could be in the backfield. He could split out wide. He's done that in a playoff game against the Vikings before. How do you, as a defense, prepare for something gadgety like that? Is is there something that a scout team or a practice can even do? I think what New Orleans is going to do is try to get him matched up on um, on um, Harrison Smith a lot and dictate when Harrison Smith can come down in the box and be aggressive and when he has to cover a dude because Jason Hill is a guy that will hurt you and so many different ways. So you just can't play your normal defense. You have to have an eye on him all day because they'll find different ways to use him and uh, get you off your defensive mix because you're so worried about him. I think that's very well said. When you look at the Saints, too, a lot of people think about a couple years back, the Christmas Eve, might have even been Christmas Day. I lost track because I purposely wanted to lose memory of this game. But Elvin Kamara, we all know he's a good running back but he lit up a poor Vikings defense a couple years back. Do you think as a running back his best days are behind him, or is he a factor tomorrow, or is the answer to that possibly a collective yes? I don't think his best day. It's so hard when you got so many different people coming through an organization, especially at the quarterback position, to sit there and, and, and running back you. If you're good and you're all pro, you have a little more time to be there. But as a defensive player, when you're shuffling quarterbacks and a lot of turnover on the offensive side, that limits your days because your defensive schematics are all going to be based off what your offense can or cannot do. So as a running back, you know, his days are definitely not behind him. How you use him is the most important thing. And 
he's always a threat when he's on the field. Hey, I just got one quick question, being that you've played both for uh, the Saints and also the Vikings. I'm, I'm, my question is a little reality. Is there a difference between the noise levels between the Dome in uh, Nolens or the, the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium? That's a very good question. Okay. That is. I'm stumped as well. Oh, which, which, dome, which dome was noisier, Super or Metro, I think is the question. Because I think PA, PA was mentioning about uh, Dobbs coming in, and he figures it's going to be like a playoff type of volume tomorrow, and how much will that actually impact the players? Oh, the, the, New Orleans is definitely loud. Minnesota, any dome can be loud if you got the right fans. Fact. <laughs> Fact. You know what I'm saying? And if, you, if you're winning or losing the game, so a lot of that depends on how the players on the field are playing at the time. But New Orleans is definitely a, a loud place to play and a fun place. And they fans love they Saints. Vince, we talked so much about what are the Vikings going to do about this, this, or this, because Minnesota as a sports market is so much of a we watch our own bobber kind of thing. But at the same time, we've talked about quarterback mobility before, normally against the Vikings, because Kirk Cousins doesn't bring that. PA made a mention of it a moment ago, and I'm curious as to your take on it. How much now does the New Orleans defense have to adjust? Yes, they've got film on Dobbs from the Atlanta game, but nobody goes into playing Minnesota preparing for a mobile quarterback until now. How much does that change what New Orleans does? I think the whole league has quarterbacks that can run. A lot of young quarterbacks that are mobile and can move to get out the pocket. Kirk Cousins just happens to be the one, only one that stays in the pocket. But the it's more funny you, you say run, only one. I couldn't think of another one as I was trying to think about this last week either. <laughs> the only one, everybody runs. Here's the question. How long are you going to run before you get hurt? You're going to get hurt running the ball in the NFL if you're a quarterback. If you think you're that guy, can you always get outside the pocket and move around? At some point in time, somebody's going to get you, and you're going to get an awkward injury. So you don't want to run. You want to be mobile, be able to extend the play, and that's what I call running the football, extending the play. I think that's well said. Vince, I'm going to ask you something that I may have asked you forms of over the last few weeks because the Vikings have won four in a row. I'm still curious. I think I asked this specific to the defense last week. But I'm curious to this club as a whole, at 5-4 and four and in the playoff picture and a seemingly, heavy on the air quotes, easy schedule ahead, it's getting more and more fun to follow the Vikings. But I still want to ask this question. Have you seen something from the Vikings that leads you to believe that this team is playing well? Or are we seeing that they're simply beating teams that they are better than? Maybe the exception would be that San Francisco win. But again, my question is, are the Vikings getting better or are the opponents getting worse? I think there's a lot of parity in football. A lot of parity. You know, um, the, the two games, the game that they beat uh, San Francisco, that was true Viking football. If you look at the other games they won, you're not talking about outstanding teams. You know, you're, you're talking about teams who are right where you are or maybe a little behind you. And like they say down in Alabama, struggle wins. You know, you want to go out and win games decisively because they won so many close last year. Right? How long can you get that run? Keep that run going. At some point in time, a point in time, you have to go out and dominate a specific phase of the football game and let people know this is who we are. This is identity. I still don't think they found their identity. You're five and four. It's not like you. You know, 
seven and two or something like that. You're five and four, so that's basically five hundred. So I think they need to get over the hump. This will be a big win for them if they do, especially being in the division. All right. So that being said, because I agree with you, right now their identity is ugly wins are wins too. <laughs> but that being said, do we expect another victory tomorrow? What you got for a score? This is a this is a tough New Orleans team. They play well. They play hard. They're well coached. Uh, they're used. They used to tough games all the time. If the Minnesota can get away from winning last week and get off the dive hype about next year and all future and stay focused uh, week in and week out, uh, I think they'll have a good chance of beating a, a tough, a tough New Orleans football team. But they have to play well for four quarters because New Orleans they stay right in the hunt as well. So this is the time of year you start separating the men from the boys. To that end, separating the men from the boys, another former team of yours, the Chargers, plays the Lions. If Detroit loses, there's a half game between these two if the Vikings win. Detroit's not used to winning. Do we suddenly have a division race that the Vikings are right in? I don't want, I don't think the Chargers can beat the, uh, Detroit. Detroit's a very good football team. And San Diego just, I mean, ooh. Almost said San Diego. I do it all the time too. I don't think you're wrong, man. I still call them. Every six of the nicknames, the Chargers, they just don't play consistently um, across the board, especially on the defensive end. And as we know, Detroit will run the ball all day long if you don't stop them in the running game. And so I think that's where San Diego. I'm sorry, Los Angeles. <laughs> man, quit talking about the Chargers. <laughs> I'm, I'm, really, not even, I'm not even sorry, man. We, we know where their roots are. Vincey, you're the best. I know we'll talk a lot throughout the week, and let's do it again next Saturday, my man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, guys. Sorry for the gas. No, man, you're, you're good. We'll talk probably within the hour. I appreciate you. All right. All righty. That's our guy, Vincey Glenn, 2-5, predicting another Vikings win tomorrow. This show sir, felt like a win. Thank you to Dave Hoops. Thank you to Topher Davis. Thank you to PA. Thank you to Vincey Glenn. Thank you to all the veterans and the ones sitting right by me. John Carlson, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was a blast. Every Saturday it is. We are the Northland Sports Page wishing you a good rest of your weekend. Time for two more tomorrow. Steve Patosha and I will follow Vikings fan line. I'll talk to you then. Skull Vikes. Have a good one.